This is The Squad Room, a podcast that takes you behind the scenes of the 21st season of SVU. If you have not watched episode 2111, She Pains for Vengeance, we advise you to do so before listening. Hello and welcome back to The Squad Room, the official Law & Order SVU podcast. I am your host, Anthony Roman. This is episode 2111, She Paints for Vengeance. And on the program, we are happy to welcome the director and star of that episode, Mariska Hargitay, along with its co-writer, Kathy Doby. And we're going to dig into how they got this great script to come to life. This is all happening right here on The Squad Room, which, as always, is brought to you by NBC and Wolf Entertainment. We are in the squad room with Mariska Hargitay and Kathy Doby. Thank you for coming on. Oh, thank you for having us. It's our pleasure. And we are going to talk about episode 11, She Paints for Vengeance, which was directed by Mariska Hargitay and written by Kathy and Julie. Mm-hmm. And I uh, just want to start with where the story came from and kind of what it means to both of you. Well, it's a story of a young woman who doesn't get justice immediately for a rape. And I thought that it would be very important to tell a story like that because that's the case for most females out there who are sexually assaulted. And I think that there's a very strong desire whether or not you get justice for justice. And a desire for healing, a desire to make things whole again, a desire to get your story out there. So what we wanted to do was show one woman that kind of takes the law into her own hands. And um, she's lucky because she's an artist. And artists have a way of getting their voice out there no matter what. And so she's able to take a sexual assault and to turn it back into her story, to tell it as her story. And she's angry. And I also wanted to tell the story of a victim or a survivor who is angry about what happened to her. And I was so lucky to actually have Mariska direct my episode, (laughs) which I think everybody in the writer's room is envious. (laughs) She's too kind. (laughs) Um, I will say that it was so incredibly inspirational to me. I had heard about the story, but then I read Kathy's article and was so moved and so taken that it was actually difficult to unravel the story with what turned into the script, which was a little bit different. Of course, Kathy had to adapt it for television and to tell that story in 42 minutes, you know, that would suit our characters and fit everybody in. And so it was so hard because as I read it and sort of grokked the story and fell in love with this character, this woman, our our heroine in the story, it was just an interesting journey as this character lived inside and an honor really to tell her story because I think it's a very different kind of survivor. You know, so many times we are giving voice to those who are marginalized, giving voice to people who don't have one. And this woman, she beat her drum loud. Mm-hmm. And so instead of like Olivia fighting this crusade, she jumped on the bandwagon. Yeah. So they were partners in a way. Yeah. And, uh, you know, all the intricacies and the, and the complexities and the pushing and pulling and all these, you see what it, what it cost the squad, what it cost the victims, what being believed means, how all we want in life, everyone, survivor, non-survivor, is to be seen. And so this is really a story about being seen, about being believed, and what it means, and how hard we fight in the shell that we put up because we're so fearful that we won't be believed. So it was kind of 
like beautiful. Um, and I so enjoyed watching us chisel away at this tough woman that had encased herself and guarded herself and protected herself because she didn't think anyone would show up and she thought she would have to show up. And then it turns out that, of course, there were these angels that <laughs> believed her. It's so beautiful. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> I just love this story. I was so grateful. So grateful. Yeah, and she really wouldn't give up. And yeah. and but she's getting beat up in that process. That's the other thing is that even as she's plowing ahead and fighting and she's fighting, getting beat up. she's really taking hits right and left. And I think that's true for every woman out there that has really fought again and again to try to get their case heard and try to get justice. That they are very fierce. But they're taking a lot of blows in that process. They certainly are. And it's all about right now, right, being believed. And uh, fortunately, you know, television is a very, very powerful medium. And so to tell the story and to have people sort of let down their armor and really take a look at their judgments. It was such an incredible process for me and for Kathy because we did this together. It was such a beautiful mm -hmm. collaboration with all of us and our team, but especially for us because we were the ones that were there in it every day uh, during the shooting. And it was such a beautiful process for me to be able to do research and the time that we spent. For me, for example, I spent, you know, a few days and, well, maybe a week in an art studio trying. I'm not a painter. I'm not an artist that way. And to immerse myself into another world so I would understand that light, that freedom, to be able to have the visual language to portray that. And then we went to, um, you know, a strip club. I and heard. Really, <laughs> you want to ask about that? Yes, I was. We would not ask well, about that. Well, you know, that. it was an incredible, incredible education. And so empowering, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like surprisingly so. And we had actual dancers that are there in the episode. And that so you, you had that we met that night. We met that women the night that we went and uh, we met these dancers that were so open and brave and but also just candid and kind of wanted to share. And we're, quite frankly, I may be flattered that we were so interested in all the nuanced uh, parts of their job. And we asked question after question, and it was such an education. And then we saw some amazing dancers that I thought one of them should be in the Olympics, as I told her. <laughs> because she was just doing like things that defied gravity yes, or really, anything really. that was humanly like, possible. How do you go around the pole using neither your hands nor your legs? It, it was it was so <laughs> crazy insane. what she was doing. And then we actually ended up um, asking her if she would be a consultant and uh, was so incredibly helpful. And it was such a beautiful collaboration. And also the women like explaining to us the dynamics of how that sort of relationship interaction works. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yes. Like how they make the money, how they know which guys are actually guys that are going to be worth something um, right. and who they bring into back into the VIP rooms, who they don't. I mean, we we did get a lot of facts from them. But there was also just the general energy, the openness, as you're saying. And I have to say that being on set, that could have been uncomfortable. And it was a very joyous day of shooting. I mean, I watched some of our actors who you're, you're really you're asking some of the you know, professional women 
okay, we're going to, sorry, this scene is about a strip club. So we're going to ask you to wear next to nothing, and we're going to ask you to dance on a pole when you've never danced on a pole before, right? In front of, what, 60, 75 people? That could have been very uncomfortable. But this is who we had on our crew, okay? Mariska's directing. Then we have Heather Quick is our script supervisor. We have Christian Yoniak is the AD. I'm the writer. It was just like this wall of women, right? And Protective it, think, women. Yes, <laughs> but I was watching some of our actresses that yeah. played the dancers, and they were sitting there. As a scene was being set up. They're sitting there on one of the tables, and they're like swinging their legs, and they're smiling from ear to ear. They were having a blast. Yeah. It was comfortable. It was fun, and it was it was intense, but in a really just like an intense way we care. Everybody cared about getting the story in. And our lead actress, Tanya Glantz, was so amazing because, again, as Kathy said, it took an incredible amount of courage to lay it all out there and really play a character that she'd never done before and to be, you know, because this character, um, our lead character, she was all about freedom. She just didn't have inhibitions. And it was a fun place to work. She was an artist, and this was a way that she expressed herself and, you know, exerted her own sort of power and freedom. And it was, like, beautiful. But if you don't have that naturally, that can be pretty intimidating. And she would go anywhere and found it and made it her own, and it was... She also, I think, ended up having a great time, too, yeah, and just absolutely. was so trusting of Kathy and so trusting of me. And I think she is so wonderful in this piece. Yeah, it's a great performance. Is that line in there where she says, actually, it's kind of fun in the teaser? Yes. Is that for what you're saying? Like, But she's not apologizing she, right, for exactly. her body, for her job, right. for her freedom, that there's no you know shame and judgment on it, that she's like, I like to dance. Yeah. My body's beautiful. And here we are. Everybody wins here. So when you go into the loft and she's all bundled up, are you trying to create a different world there? She is in probably an unheated studio right. or next to heated. So she's dressed that way. But also she's an artist and the artist in her is just like, I'm dressed to paint. I'm dressed, dressed to for work. the warmth. I'm right. dressed that way. And then she puts on her dancer outfit. So we really like made a very deliberate choices. Yeah, because they feel very of, different to me. Yeah, the, yeah. yeah. Also, one of the things that was pretty important to me is going from this journey of light to dark. Like when we meet her, right? It's light. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's open. It's free. It's tender. It's delicate. You can feel these notes. You can feel her in utter flow in her artistry and in her medium. And so we see this open, beautiful, free creator, this free artist. And then what happens with what somebody takes that we start going into dark. Right. And you can see lighting-wise, we did that in several places as well. We went from the light to dark and light to dark until oh. the end. What did you need from Tanya? Like, as I'm sure casting this role is very, very crucial to the story happening. And what were you thinking? And how was your interactions with the people that read? And was well, it a it was, long process? Or It was. We were looking for someone, you know, who was strong and empowered and a real sense of that artist. You know, this was somebody who was an artist before she was a dancer. Right. And then we learned through our research that, you know, it's it can be a very lucrative business. Yeah. Um, she so was supporting her art. She was supporting her art. And, you know, she did what she had to do. And she had a lot of, you know, freedom and she could set her hours. So we were looking for somebody who had that artist quality, that had that sort of clarity, that had that sort of Brooklyn feel and was tough and could handle herself. And yet this still happened. Right. And what happens to the soul when life and belief and respect 
and humanity is stolen from you. But yet somebody who would still have the spirit to go, uh-uh, and fight back. Right. Do you have to do a lot of scenes with them, like uh, auditioning? Or, like, did you do stuff with her before you cast her? Actually, no. We we just read, uh, we read a bunch of actresses. There were, it was several people did such amazing jobs. But as soon as, you know, we saw Tanya, yeah, we sort of got, were like, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. the one. Yeah. Th- that's nice. the one. Yeah. She came in late in the game. Yes. And we were like, oh, thank God. Yeah, we were waiting we have, for her. We have It her. felt, it was a big exhale and it felt really right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when you're directing, you don't know what kind of episode you're going to be directing, right? It's just a number, like Mariska's doing number 11? No, you know, sometimes it switches around. Sometimes, you know, Warren has this, um, I think Warren and Julie, Warren Lightman, Julie yeah. Martin have this beautiful knack ability to sort of pair material with directors. You know, there are, I think they have a true gift. And so I feel like, you know, I've directed seven now and, and right. all of mine have been sort of hand chosen for me. And there's oh. certain episodes that, you know, we would give to like Jean de Sagonzac, who, you know, directed our pilot, who you know, has come from, for, yeah. he's been directing Law right. and Order for, I don't know, 30 years or something, but he's such a visual genius. And I don't use that word lightly, but he does what he can do with the camera. And he, you know, a lot of handheld and he basically shoots the whole thing himself. He's like a one man show. He does certain things visually that nobody else can do. And I realize that each director that I've worked with has their own sort of gift, right? And I think that Warren and Julie really pay attention to our directors and go, he would be great for that. He would be great for that. And either they write it or they save stories. So I was lucky enough to have this story saved for me and just so thrilled. So they, I, was, I don't think it's totally it's like, random is what I'm saying. Right. So the, the order is not the way I thought. It's just going in numbers and mm-hmm. Mariska has 11. And, and well, Mariska has 11 because there's certain time, you know, of year that I could direct, right. but then they... But then they, they make save 11. the story. Right. They okay. make that story my right, story. Right, right, right. So if you're working on 10 and you're prepping 11, how is this possible? It doesn't seem possible. Uh, well, you're <laughs> opening up a whole can of worms here. You know, this is for me um, the most challenging part of me directing. What I've learned now is that, you know, the, one of the most important parts of directing is prep. It's when so much of the work is done. And my prep, just to be candid here, is always compromised because I'm shooting the previous episode and they don't want to lose me for too much. It's been challenging that way because I've missed time. I think the good news is, is that obviously here I, since I've been here since the beginning, there is a shorthand with me. I understand the show on a, on a very deep level and um, I'm a quick study. <laughs> and, you know, I sort of feel my way and intuit my way into these stories. And because I'm a deep feeler, that's sort of how I work. And and these, you know, th- these shows are such an incredible collaboration. I just, I can't tell you because I felt like during our sort of three-week stint together, it, it feels like a real marriage. Mm-hmm. It feels like a real marriage. And we are, I'm the director. And, and yet, you know, after the takes, like, I know what I want and I know when I push, but I'm always like, you know, because we're a team. And Kathy always had so many great ideas or would, you know, suggest something. That I'm would pointing su- to Mariska yeah. right now. You can't see it. This no, is, but she would. This is the one with the ideas. Mike Smith, who's one of our directors, came up to me and said to me, I don't know how she does it. He said, just directing, you know, an episode when you're doing like episodic TV, like how much you're doing in a day. And she's directing it and acting in it. And while you're prepping for it, 
she's acting in an episode beforehand. So what you did was truly, uh, what's you. the word, superpower woman. Thank you. I mean, it's challenging. It is challenging. And, and the night before I start, I cry and say, <laughs> what have I done? What <laughs> have I, I when will you learn? And when will it be enough? And when will you say, no, you can't do it? But then, I mean, by the second scene, I'm so in love with it. I'm so in love with directing and um, telling a story and finding that visual language. And I think finding the magic that happens on set, you know, because you can do all the prep, but what is acting, right? Acting is prepping, 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 ideas, ideas, ideas. And then we throw it all out the window and it's all about right here. So that's where I think I come alive is that I get to know the story. I put it in, I put it in, and I have my safety net always to say, hey, you know, what about this or what about that? But together we feel our way. And this is a story about feeling and being seen and being believed and what it costs us, what it costs Tanya, you know, to go through the story. So it was, you know, it's such a joy and I love it and I learn more each time. And, you know, Ted Kotcheff, who was you know, one of my mentors in directing, one of the first things he said to me was, you know more than you think. And I think that, mm. like acting, directing is also, even though it's a completely different part of your brain working, you have to trust your own vision. And being true to that calms me down because once I see it, I know. I know when it's right or when it's not right. So how are you able to see all the takes you're doing with Monica? When like, I, are when you I'm running the, back and forth? Yeah, when I'm in the scene, when I'm in the scene, yeah. I have playback. And I watch myself to make sure I didn't make any so mistakes. you make sure you have it. Yeah, but. of myself. But, you know, it's funny because everyone says, like, isn't that, isn't that so difficult? And I find sometimes... Like, I'm very happy with my performance in this episode. And I think that as a director, you have to think so wholly. You have to know the story so much better. And, you know, I feel a little bit embarrassed or shameful to say that. <laughs> like, I, when I'm acting, it's sort of Olivia Benson was Olivia, think Olivia, Olivia, Olivia. Me, 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 my character, my point of view. But you got to know everybody's point of view when you're the director. You have to know everything. You need to know the big arc, the small arc, each yeah. moment. Does that take you to the next? All your transitions. You have so much in your brain that I trust what I know that all I have to do is listen and answer and get my objective in the scene. So the acting part is not that hard. I mean, of course, I see it and I'm like, oh, I should have done this. I should have done that. But we had so many decisions to make and it was such a privilege doing it with Kathy. Like, for example, all the art, you know, together, it's a real collaboration. I was struck by how much I believed that was an artist's loft. That was, and uh, that art was being made. Remember I was saying it? Yes. Like it, it really came, because a lot of times, you know, so you I'm a musician, an artist, and I see things and they're, I'm like, that's wrong. And that doesn't yeah. feel right. I would, yeah. That's not where they would live, you know? And this felt exactly right well, to me. Okay. Here's the reason. Okay, I want to know. <laughs> so uh, a good friend of mine is an artist. And when I knew that this was my story, I immediately called her and I said, may I um, come and watch you work? And uh, she said, absolutely. And she was doing a portrait um, of my daughter. And so when I went and watched her work, I'm like watching her paint. But then I was like... <sighs> <laughs> staring right. at the location. Right. And it was so magical. And the feeling was so exactly what I wanted to feel that we ended up shooting in her oh, studio. Oh, you did it there? We had oh, I thought you were going to say coffee. Yeah. <laughs> no, you just went in there. Yeah, no, we just said, can, can we make this it. work? Because I came back when we were, you know, looking, scouting locations. That's obviously a big part of prep. And I said, guys, 
no need to look any further. They showed me a few locations and I was like, no, I've got the location, trust me. But you're hoping that it will work out. But, you know, those are the kind of sort of magic uh, things that happen. Yeah, I think that makes, you know, the story's great. And then you have these, other, mm-hmm. these just these other levels that make it more right. complete and more real and, and bring you in. And I want to talk about just the different characters in this episode. And um, we have the owner of the strip club, Jared. Yes. Oh, isn't he? He's fantastic. fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> we hate him, but he's fantastic. Yeah, well, I love the actor. <laughs> yes, I think he's, he's such a, a wonderful actor. Yeah. And, um, and he's dismissive. Oh, everyone said, you know, that they may tell people they're artists. And there's a scene with Monica later in the episode where she's on trial. And mm-hmm. uh, and they say, well, are you not an artist because you've never had a show, right? And I was Such talking, a painful uh, scene. Yeah, and that really, and obviously many things that happen in the show bother me. But there was something about that that you guys put in that really, like, struck a chord where, like, art is, is only about, you know, that's mm-hmm. what people, oh, she just said she's an artist. Oh, she's not really. And I was just, what were you guys, what were you both trying to say with that, with those moments? And do you agree? Absolutely not. Um, no, I mean, do that's you why agree it's in there. with oh, art? Um, that it has to, that you that have to be ha- successful to be an artist? No, 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 no. I, I have many friends and my sister is an artist. And I see that that's what society sometimes now judges an artist and whether or not they've sold things, whether or not they've had gallery shows. And I came into New York at a time that people lived like artists. And if you lived like an artist, you were an artist. You were right? an artist, right. yeah. exactly. And that's the thing is you found that apartment that was like, you know, bathtub in the kitchen, bathroom yeah. in the hallway, and you just made it work and you did your art whether or not you sold. And nobody ever questioned, right. obviously, you were an artist. And so Jared's reaction and the lawyer who's able to kind of like pin her against the wall with that is to me almost the way modern New York City is. It's New York City now that kind of judges everybody by, you know, the successes they have about something physical, mostly because people can't afford to live the artist lifestyle in New York anymore. Right. But see, yes, and I felt like that's just another attack of self-esteem. It is so obvious that this woman was an artist. And that's why that first scene was so important to me to shoot the way it is, where we actually enter her magical world and we go, with the bird cage and the thing, and we feel her and we're like, oh my gosh, all I want to do is move in there with her. (laughs) It was so magical and beautiful and also tender that you could almost like see her little artistic soul. And so when Judge Barth, is so cruel to say that. And as an artist, mm-hmm. it's like, you know, please, I, I spent 20 years having people go, you're an actor? Well, what have you done? Right. Nothing mm-hmm. <laughs> yet. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean she didn't have an artist's soul. And it is so difficult. And everyone has to start out. And we all know the plight of an act, uh, artist, an actor, a painter, a dancer, and what it takes. But the idea of somebody coming in and squashing it and ripping apart and trying to squash this, like, beautiful soul so painful. I think that's one of the most painful parts. I, I watch that and I go, <gasps> that's how I felt. Yeah. Yes. And I think that's that's the point. That's yeah. the point. And that's what sexual assault does to a soul. That's what not being believed does to a soul. That's what victim blaming attitudes do to a soul. It's soul crushing. Yeah. It's absolutely soul crushing. And that line was meant to eviscerate her. Yeah, well, it succeeded. I mean, it, it, it upset mm-hmm. me very much. But so. that's why, for me, it was so beautiful when she said, I am yeah. an artist. Yeah. You will not 
squish me. You will not keep me down. She kept fighting. The poster's on the wall in the beginning when Noah sees him first. Is yeah. that, is, why that choice to make him see it first? Oh, good question. <laughs> choice Because we needed Olivia Benson to see it. Um, but why couldn't she just be, like, why couldn't she just uh, see it? Well, one, in our head, we had the idea of a child being drawn to, what well, basically, are, it's almost like comic book art. Right, yeah. right, you right. know, so it's something that would immediately draw Grab a child's yeah. eye, and the child would not necessarily see anything but like monsters and supermen you know just good and evil fighting each other and and, and understand and, the power of yeah, it yeah. yeah not fully grokking it but understanding like and you see noah goes wow yeah yeah, yeah. and you're like yeah these are these all of a sudden it's superheroes kids. yeah and yeah. then that does pay off because yes. she turns into a superhero that's right? right that's right i was thinking about carisi finally getting in there and you really help him. And I thought that was a really nice moment and nice scene, scene for you yeah. guys. It's always a joy to work with Peter, but I really loved this arc of me sort of mentoring him yeah. and him going into a, a new territory with, you know, a titan as Judge Barth is, as him really going into the ring with a heavy weight um, that doesn't share the soul of an artist. Mm -hmm. um, so it was really beautiful. And and Peter and I found uh, so many things together, but that, like, I love that moment at the end, uh, which just sort of we found on that day of, you know, me standing up and him ha in the verdict and mm -hmm. us having that moment to really, like, I was so happy that day, A, because it was basically a one-er. Mic, <laughs> mic drop. But um, that was a very hard scene, and I was very proud of designing that shot because there are there are scenes that you're just terrified of. And, uh, you know, sometimes we feel like, oh, we have to cover it a million ways, but I was very you proud. Knew. You I knew. was very yeah, proud yeah, that yeah. day of that, of that, the architecture of that, design of that shot. I also love that the, his dark night of the soul took place in a dark office yeah. with just the light on. Again. And there was something so, um, I don't know, soulful, mythological, you know. And then when you come in with the bag of food yeah. and you kind of like, Sustenance. here's yeah. here's some here's some reality, yeah. you know. Here's we're going to drag you out of the cave that you're in right now. Have something to eat. What's going on? Let me pull you out of it. And it was just... I don't know. I thought it was beautiful looking. It was really nice. Yeah. And so you have a story about this artist. You know you're doing that. Where does that come in the process that you're going to work in this story of Carisi's struggle and Benson mentoring him? Like We had talked earlier. I'd said to Julie, because Peter had come up to me and said, when do I get to try a case? He was like, I'm ready. Every time <laughs> he comes like, on, ready. he's like, I think I'm going to be soon. You know, I, think, I was like, finally So it was like a lot of fun to say to him, it's happening. Yeah. You're going to have your first trial. And so Julie just wrote this wonderful stuff in there in terms of like her being his going into the bathroom and then coming out and Kelly asking love if that. he had like up, yeah. oh, I yeah. love that Such scene a that was one of my favorite scene. scenes it's like just it's the friend you are the most comfortable with yeah you yeah. know um, they have a, a beautiful bond that sort of transcends yeah. words their their love for each other is so palpable the friendship we all wish we had somebody that you know yeah. loved us it's like a sibling. It's like the person you're in love with. There, there's there's so many aspects to their relationship. So Warren was telling me you went to L.A. for the edit. Is that Do yeah. most directors do that? Um, nope. Okay. <laughs> I was going to say there's no other answer but to I do, that. But I no. do. Um, it's hard because each stage of directing I think is my favorite. But I actually, I think I might be most in love with editing. 
I um, I sort of build that that into my schedule. What, you know, we feel like the writers get the script pregnant and on set, um, we bear the child. Right. And then editing is like raising it. And so I get to see the finished child, whether we did a good job or not. Mm -hmm. And as great as you do, you can do better. It's like this last chance to elevate it and right. take it to the next level. And then for me, you know, Arthur Fornay's mm-hmm. now one of my, you know, mentors. But I, I've always had, you know, these incredible editors who I respect. Uh, Leon has done most of mine, but actually all of them, you know, Leon, Karen, all, all of them. Oscar, we, we're such a team. And the experience that I have here collaborating, you know, here, like Kathy and I... Kathy giving me this baby and Kathy and Julie giving me this baby and then I get to direct it. But what we do together there, it's like, it's the gift that keeps on giving and you keep learning. And for me to be on this show for 21 years and be in film school is the greatest gift that I can get. We see movies made shot by shot by shot. They're made cut by cut by cut. And these baby steps and each day, each scene, each moment, it's just so incremental. And I am madly in love with it. It's like from take to take. When you do a take, I'm like, what is it? Let me give uh, let me, I have to do a free one. Let me do a free one. That's what I say <laughs> when I want another take. Oh, yeah. Like I'll be doing a take and sometimes the director goes, great, we're good. And I'll say can I just have a free one? Because once I think the director's happy, because as an actor, you want to please. Right. Right? Once I feel like they're happy, I go, can I just have a free one and let it fly? And that's usually my best take. Do you let people get free ones? Always. Oh, she did oh, it yeah. constantly. I give everyone a free one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And the actors absolutely loved it. And if you really loved something, you would say, that's money. <laughs> <laughs> or that's an actor would be like, he's money. Yeah. <laughs> so when you when you get out to L.A., there's an assembly, and you look at it, and then you start to pick it apart, break Basically, it down, kind of? They have an assembly, and then I, you know, which is always so great, and I always joked with them that they make me feel very talented. <laughs> but then we go back, and that's what's so beautiful about it. It's, I imagine it's a bit like writing and rewriting and rewriting. I love the editing. Because, process. you know, the first time I see the cut, I'm just so happy it's there. But then we go back take by take and then I start looking at the footage and pulling out and then I look at my notes and look at their notes and they have ideas and then I'm like hold on a second I need two more you know a second on that 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 didn't really land let's go to the third take I remember she did this thing stuff that they wouldn't know right so then I start do you remember specific takes from I do yeah I remember it or I just remember what happened right I really remember. I also sometimes, you know, you cut in your head as a director. You learn. Yeah. Because you also, I mean, listen, we do a wide and then we go in for coverage. And then I go like, okay, did I get on the cover? Did I get in the close? Yeah, it wasn't so great. The wide doesn't matter because I'm going to use it in the close-up shot. But hold on, I did that really cool thing. That something magical happened in the wide shot. We can go there, quick zoom out. You, you just remember um, if you got it. Right. It becomes a, a skill. So sometimes they don't see or they don't know what's in your head. And then they have so many ideas. Right. And they're constantly teaching me. So it's a real give and take because I'm, I operate from here, everything. Right. And they, you know, have, we all have different skill sets. How long are you out there for? Um, I'm usually in the editing room for two and a half days, I'd say. So then the cut comes, you come back, and then someone told me that once everything is done and then there's a, it airs, you throw a party for everybody? Is that true? <laughs> I do. <laughs> I do. Well, wait a minute. There's one more really interesting um, step to this. Okay. So I go, 
I do my director's cut, and then I put on another hat. Oh, boy. And then we do our producer's, our producer's cut. cut. And right. that is also, again, the next level of collaboration and education because you do, when I'm not directing, we'll, we, we all watch, the executive producers will watch, you know, Warren, Julie, and like Norberto and me, and we'll give notes, right? right? And so, again, you start seeing, you know, Warren and Julie give notes on the script, things that I didn't think of. And then Norberto has all these amazing, Norberto Barbara, our yeah. executive producer, um, has all these, you know, visual ideas and just speaks the most beautiful visual language and is, a, is again, another mentor in terms of directing. But so then we do it again as, as sort of the producers. And that's also fun. And I am a different kind of director because I'm not so attached to all my shots because sometimes they see things or I put my producer hat on and I'm like, okay, we'll let go of that because there's another bigger reason. So it's very interesting, all the different, you know, the actor part of you to director part of you to producer part of you. So then the party. Then the party. Wait, okay. <laughs> so then I usually, you know, I feel like we're all so busy during the year that I, I like to throw a party to say to everyone, look what we made. Right. And it's just a really beautiful night because, you know, we're all so busy and it's on a school night and usually yeah. we're shooting, mm -hmm. but we don't get to celebrate together what we make every week. And it's, again, a lot of work and all these people have such a shorthand and there's all these experts and people with all this like expertise that you don't have. And then you see it, especially as a director, because what they bring you, you just go, oh, that makes it better. That makes it better. That makes it better. Thank you. That makes it better. So it's fun to, you know, celebrate with everyone and say, look, we're doing, we're doing something that matters and entertains and is making a difference. Yes. Yes. I wanted to ask you, this is your, the third episode you wrote for uh, yes. So you were, yes. so Leslie did, Leslie Hope, right, directed one of your yes. episodes. Yeah. Um, and you did, you uh, wrote part of Midnight in Manhattan, right? Yes. Yeah, there were three writers in Midnight in Manhattan, which was Peter Warner. Yeah. How would you say they were different than <laughs> What a question. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Let's well, every director see. is I gotta, different. Every yes, director they is are totally different. different. First of all, I have to say that a number of the actors came up to me to talk about Mariska, you knew this, right? To say how incredible it was to be directed by her. And uh, the woman who played Moe, or Moet, depending on how yes. you say her name, um, she said that Mariska was the best director she ever had. And it wasn't just her that said that, but that she was able to bring out, give her the kind of direction that allowed her to know what was needed and for that scene and also find a way to access it. So the actors loved working with her. The crew, obviously we have an incredible crew, they're like on their AAA game when she's of directing. Course, so, yeah. <laughs> so that's also, you know, it's a delight to work with. Um, you know, really, I mean, you're very generous and you bring, as a writer, you really brought me into the process. And so that's huge to be able to sit there. We joked about how we shared the same brain, right? But to really be able to sit next to the director and have a say. And it's not that I didn't with Peter and I didn't with Leslie. They're fantastic. I love them. But I'm just saying I really felt the sense of being like a colleague or a sister. And, um, and Mariska's passion is 
If you're passionate about material, you're passionate about a scene, you're passionate about a story, what that's really saying is that you completely respect that story and that sentiment. And that meant so much to me. There was never a sense of like, okay, let's get this over with. When you think about it, why not? You're on the, you're on the set for like 13 hours. We had a day that was like freezing, the only cold day. In, like, October, whatever it was, it was absolutely freezing. It was like, what happened? It was like, we haven't had a cold day like that since. Like, in the middle of nowhere, and the crew was making lots of jokes um, about the fact that I wrote a scene outside. I'm like, I didn't expect it to be that cold outside. But, But when you think about it, when you're doing those kind of days, those kind of conditions for this many weeks and months and years, the fact that your passion stayed the same level and your energy the same level is really remarkable. And I don't think most people are that way, really. I mean, about anything, really. And uh, you'd be there, like, at the end of a $12, you'd be like, come on, come on, you freaks, let's go, next scene. And everybody would be like, okay, let's do it. I'm like, how did she have that much energy? At the end of 12 hours, I'm on, like, I my love this show, and I loved <laughs> directing her episode. <laughs> do you, does Varishka, the actor, find something different when working with, like, a Leslie Hope who's an actor also? Do you think that they have a different style of directing than a director who's not an actor? Oh, that's interesting. Did you notice anything different? Yeah. Are you saying do acting directors direct differently than non-acting directors? Correct, but you're the actor in this scenario. So when you're working with a director who is also an actor, do you find that they have a different style of directing you than just directors who are not actors. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And is there something you get from them that you enjoy, or is it just it's just a different thing? Very much so. I mean, like, you know, we had Tim Busfield, we had Leslie right, Busfield, Hope, yeah. we had, um, well, back in the day, Clark Johnson, but who who else was just here that's so great? Well, Chris Messiano, who's also, I mean, he's, I think he was an actor. I think there's a inside uh, thing and an understanding, and, um, you know, it's almost more intimidating to act for a, a directing actor. Go ahead. I just thought of something because you and Leslie, you're both this way. You're right. When you're doing the motions, yeah. very physical. Yeah. yeah. Like when they're telling actors what to do or when they're like setting up a shot, you're using your body all the time. So I've, I get the feeling of you being there very, there physically and expressing yourself. Um more animatedly because if you have like Peter yeah I'm a gesticulator kind of, yeah Peter you'll see him more like sit back he's telling people what to do and everything he's eyeing everything but it's not as as physical no I, I'm I'm a, like a visceral director but you know listen Leslie gave some really great notes and I think that there's a there's an inside uh, a shorthand I would say right. with acting directors so the Paley Center special, which was on, and this is really a Marishka question, and I just was struck by the show, obviously 21 years, all these things are happening, but all these characters who came back to visit, um, you know, Chris Maloney tomorrow, and there you are in the center of all this, and you're saying, well, things change and I miss people and stuff, but you as a person being there, being kind of the rock, the foundation of this, it just seems like that would be so exhausting and overwhelming, but you're just riding through even though... The whole world is changing around you kind of constantly. Showrunners come and go. Everybody comes and goes, but Mariska Hargitay is there. Do you think about that or is it just your, It's what your job is and you just got to ride through? Yeah, there's times when I really think about it, but um, I really look at it as a gift that I accepted. I feel like I was blessed 
to play this character, to be given the opportunity to play this character, to work so closely with Neil Bear and Chris Maloney and all the characters that were on the, you know, the first incarnation of the show. And then to get an opportunity to reinvent the show and be basically really feel like you're on a new show but you get to stay in the same place and to really reinvent myself in a way and say, who am I with these with these different set of people? And I guess my work, you know, learning about sexual assault and domestic violence and child abuse and all the issues and what it's meant to me to be able to give back and serve. Very early on, I realized I was here for a very different reason. And so... That so much became my life's work in addition to acting. And so when I learned the power of what we were doing and the difference we were making and what a gift it was to be able to change a person's life, to see a person, to connect to a person and what the show was doing, that that privilege really of, you know, believing survivors and what the show was doing culturally, I was always so clear. And then again, when Warren came, And then we went to another level and all these new actors came. And then I had these incredible relationships and incredible new experience that I never could have dreamed of after it already being at a 10. Right. (laughs) I thought, I'm here for a reason. This is the gift of a lifetime. I am so blessed, so privileged, so fortunate and up for the challenge. And so it's been beautiful to really grow up here and to get to work with all these different artists. I've had the privilege of being in one place and having artists come to teach me here. And every actor I've worked with, every director, every writer who's given me, you know, gold to say, I just feel so privileged and I, I truly count my lucky stars. And even with, you know, then Warren left and Rick Eade came and that there was sort of a new era. And then Michael Chernichin came. And then there were all these other things. And all of a sudden I felt like I was doing theater on television, right. you know, with these one-act <laughs> plays and beautiful things that he, that he was writing. And again, all these new cast members. And so it has been nothing but a blessing. And I just thank my lucky stars and am grateful that I got to grow with the show. And do you like your new position as captain? I do. Yeah. You know, I I remember the the line when, you know, eventually you play all the parts, but I never could have imagined to go from detective to sergeant to lieutenant to captain. Even as I say that, you know, I go like, wow, of course, it's 21 years. Mm -hmm. But it all feels so earned now. And that's the part that feels, it's a lot to take in. But the part that's earned, and when Warren made the show, you know, more serialized, that's again when I started going, because as an actor, to be able to build, you know, to have those arcs, it's more fun to play. It's There's more to excavate. There's more to challenge yourself. There's more to be accountable for, too. It wasn't just a bubble anymore. You weren't living in a bubble. You were living in this in this other universe. And I am challenged by Carisi, by, <laughs> by Kelly. I'm working with such incredible actors every day. And in ICE, you know, even ICE. Today we had a read-through. And ICE is cracking everyone up. His Paul delivery is, is he's so funny. And he doesn't even realize 
realize it. <laughs> but again, like, who would have thought that Ice and I would be like yeah. the two OGs still yeah. standing? And it's such a beautiful journey. And when life offers you these gifts, you just have to like get on your knees and say, thank you, God. Well, that's wonderful, and I think it's a perfect way to close. And I want to say Mariska Hargitay and Kathy Dovey, thank you for coming on The Squad Room. Thank Thank you so much. All right. That's a wrap for The Squad Room. Please subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts so you do not miss an episode. And you know we love hearing from you, so follow us on Instagram at NBCSVU and at Wolf Entertainment and on Twitter at NBCSVU and at Wolf and... The Squad Room is hosted and produced by me, Anthony Roman. It is executive produced by Elliot Wolf and Warren Light. Recording for this episode was done by Joe Tisdall. Post-production was handled by James Asciutto. And we want to extend a big thank you to Victoria Pollock for all of her help. Thank you. We'll see you in a few weeks. <laughs>